Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Last weekend, we talked about the majesty of God. We talked about the fact that God is a king and that we are part of a kingdom. Yes? If you were not here, please make sure you go listen to that message. Go watch it online. Go to our website. Go to the media page. Go to the archive and find the message from last weekend, last Sunday. I'm just going to review very quickly, and then we're going to get into the material for this week. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus made it very clear that we're in a kingdom. I'm going to skip down to verse 33 for the, for the, for the sake of time. But seek first the what? Kingdom. kingdom. Seek first the what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. It's a kingdom. We, are, we, we do belong in the family of God, but that family is within a kingdom. That kingdom has a king. Yes? yes. Good. Psalm 95, the Lord is a great God. Um, Rick, can you bring me a handkerchief out of there? Thank you. It's a little warmer up here today than it usually is. Do my T.D. Jakes impression. Hallelujah. Psalm 95, for the Lord is the great God and the king above all gods. We we talked about last week the fact that uh, he is not an unjust, self-serving tyrant, that he is a benevolent, selfless, loving king who wants the best for his people. And we talked about three different things that a good king does. A good king protects his people, a good king provides for his people, and a good king pardons his people when they mess up. Amen. So the goal is for us to get to the place today, in view of what we studied last weekend, to get to the place where we are very aware of the fact that since our Father is King of the universe, and if we are his children, and we are, yes? Yes. Then we should be operating as subjects of that kingdom. We should be ruling and reigning in Christ. Amen? Amen? Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, the prophet hears from God and he writes it down. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. And that's true for every single one of us. It's not just true for Jeremiah. It's true for us. And especially in the day and age that we live in, as we are just accelerating very quickly towards the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not aware of where we're at on the calendar in the history of mankind. We are probably three minutes to 12 midnight on the very last day. And, and the clock is moving quick. Amen? Amen? I don't say that to put fear in you. I say that to, to, to just raise the level of awareness. Amen? God chose you. He formed you. He set you apart. That means he designed you and made you with exact specifications according to the plan that he has for your life and where you fit in. No matter how you were raised, no matter what caused you to possibly entertain a negative mindset about things that did not come from God, uh, he, he, does it not, he, he is not a God of negativity. Amen. He's not a God of limitations. Are, are you listening? Amen. God has set you apart for greatness even before you were born. But that greatness can only be exhibited, it can only be manifested, it can only be walked in when we understand 
that we are part of a kingdom. And that kingdom operates by principles. Are you catching this? And the Bible says that we were made. He, he made us to reign as kings in our lives. You and I, spiritually speaking, have royal blood flowing through our veins. We are made in God's image. We are his children. God has made us all for divine purpose in which to glorify him. Now, I said a lot of cliche-ish stuff. But the fact that everybody on TV says these kind of things so that you'll keep watching them, despite that fact, what ends, the danger about this kind of stuff is it ends up becoming white noise. It's just, okay, yeah, give us some more Joel Osteen cliches. Uh, but the fact of the matter is they're true. And I think the reason why they have to get repeated over and over again is the same reason why God over and over again has to tell us to love one another because it doesn't come natural. And the fact of the matter is, as much as we don't want to admit it, the majority of us have a leaning towards the negative side of life. Whatever setbacks we have suffered, whatever failures we have endured, whatever, whatever dreams have not come to pass yet, cause us many times to have this negative cloud hanging over our heads. And limitations do not come from God. God is a God of acceleration. He is not a God of limitations. Okay? He's a God who wants to teach us patience. And if we'll let him, he'll teach us real good. How many of you have had plenty of opportunities to learn patience in this lifetime? Amen. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw this out to you here so you know where I'm heading. I got a few more foundational pieces to lay. And then what I'm going to concentrate on and what I'm going to focus on is this. If we are children of the king, and we are. If we are called to rule and reign in Christ Jesus, and we are. If spiritually speaking, we have royal blood in our veins, and we do, then we should be handling the battles of life and the giants of life and the walls of restriction and limitation much different than the way we've been handling them. There are too many walls that have been allowed to stand. There are too many giants that we left breathing down our necks. There is too many, too many enemies of God. And I'm not talking about people. There are too many enemies of God that we have allowed to camp in our front yard. And they need to go. Sickness and disease, depression, addiction, any kind of limiting force in your life, God never intended for you and I to have to put up with that garbage, let alone tolerate it. And some of us are feeding it like the little kitten that comes to your back door. I just wish this cat would go away. Stop putting milk outside. Now, listen, I still got some foundation. I want to get to that part, but I still got to put some foundation. Our Bible is split in two sections, predominantly. There's really more than that, but we know it in two sections. The Old Testament and the New Testament. The old what? The old what? And the new what? The old what? And the new what? What's the key word? Testament. We've lost We've lost sight of what that word really means, especially we as Christians, because what about you, Testament? Okay, Old Testament, New Testament. But that word testament 
We used another word today to describe the same thing. It's called a will. You know, you see these commercials on television, you know, you better make a will. Make sure you get a will so you're leaving your possessions because if you don't, the government's going to come in and take your possessions and they're going to do what they want with it. A will is nothing more than a list of details that that person who writes that will declares, this is what I want done with my property. This is where I want my money to go. This is where I want my house to go. This is who gets the jewelry. This is who gets the baseball card collection. This is who's going to catch. If, if you're a business person, you, you, you list a plan of succession of who's going to take over when you leave. That's exactly what the Bible is. The Bible is God saying, this is how I want you to live your life. I'm, 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 I'm with you. Spiritually speaking, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But this is how I want you. This is what I want you to do with my planet. This is what I want you to do with my resources. This is what I want you to do with my Holy Spirit, who you and I are supposed to be stewards over, even though we don't understand that concept very clearly sometimes. He's in us so that you and I would distribute him. Are you getting this? That's honestly what that whole parable with the the foolish virgins, we always concentrate on the foolish virgins. It was about distributing oil. It was about being a stewardship over oil. And oil always represents what? The Holy Spirit. Are you catching this? Okay. So if you don't read that testament, you're probably not going to know how to handle all these resources. And then how can you and I be good subjects of a kingdom if we do not handle the resources of that kingdom, if we do not fight for that kingdom as we're supposed to? How are we going to be complete? How are we going to stand? How are we going to see the perfect will of God in our lives? At best, you're just going to be playing bumper cars, just bumping into things, hoping that something's going to happen. And that's not God's will for us to live that way. Amen? Luke chapter 4. Jesus came to this earth as the head of a rescue team. We got kidnapped in the garden. We were tricked by the enemy. When I say we, I'm talking on behalf of Adam. Because these are great, 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 grandfather. And you keep adding some more. We were tricked. He was tricked. Eve was tricked. And so we became kidnapped by another kingdom that was not supposed to have any rights or privileges on this planet. Sounds like Star Wars, doesn't it? Where do you think they all get these ideas from? I was watching a series the other day, and I thought to myself, huh, here's another, another twist on this story, you know. So I won't go into details because I get off on that and the time is going away. And there's nothing new under the sun, Solomon said. It's all the same plot, all the same plan, okay? We've been kidnapped, duped into thinking that it was another kingdom that we were supposed to serve, and that's the kingdom of darkness. Jesus comes to rescue us, and he's got to pay a ransom because, you know, you can't get a kidnapped person free without paying a ransom. And he gives his self, his life, his blood, His blood is actually required as ransom payment so that you and I can get free. 
And he says, everybody who puts your trust in this fact goes from being kidnapped to being set free, goes from the kingdom of darkness, according to, I believe it's Colossians chapter one, from the kid, 13, I think it is, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. But now what about the rest of those that haven't found out yet? There are some people in this room right now that you've never, you've never gone from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You've never said a prayer and from your heart said, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. And so Jesus, be my Lord, be my master. I submit to you. And you go, bam, from darkness to light. And hopefully by the end of this service, you'll have that opportunity. But you know what? Right now, there are people driving by this building right now that are kidnapped royalty. God designed it for every human being to be a part of his kingdom. To be the little king and the king of kings and the little Lord and the Lord of lords. He created us in his likeness and in his image and then gave us dominion, lordship over this earth. Now, a lot of people like to hear that. Because they think the whales are supposed to have lordship over the earth or, or, or uh, the, the, the uh, what do you call them, uh, polar bears. We worry more about polar bears and whales than we worry about unborn children. It's just to show you how warped our mindsets have gotten. Okay? And so it's a, it's a completely upside down kingdom. Now, are the whales important? Yes, they are. Are polar bears important? They're cute. I wouldn't want to have one for a pet. But we need to be kingdom-minded. And to be kingdom-minded is this. Listen to me very closely. Because Jesus kind of summed it up in Matthew chapter 28. And also then at the end, the very end of the Gospel of Mark in the last chapter. To be kingdom-minded is this. How can I be used by the king to go rescue other kidnapped royalty? You didn't know it. You didn't know you were royalty. You were in that kidnapped state. You didn't know you were royalty. But thank God that he didn't forget that you were royalty. And he sent his son to set you free. So that you could not be again, go from one bondage to another bondage, from one kingdom of darkness back into a kingdom of darkness. He rescued you. He gave you the royal name of Jesus to use. He gave you his word so that if you get in trouble, you have a sword to defend yourself with. He gave those to you so that we would go forth and act like children of the king, act like soldiers in a kingdom. And so it's our responsibility from the moment that we become born again to the time that we step out of this body and into eternity to go and seek out those that are still in the kidnapped state and don't even realize it. What are you doing about it? Are you praying? Are you talking? Are you, rest, are you inviting? Are you saying, even if you have, I don't know what to say, then bring him here. We know what to say. Are you catching this? Yes. A couple of people are. Amen. Jesus introduced this whole concept the first time he got to preach in his hometown, in his synagogue. Luke chapter 4. Jesus gets to the synagogue in Nazareth where he grew up. They haven't seen him for a little while. He marches in, he's got his disciples goes to the synagogue, so we know it's on Saturday morning, it's Sabbath, and, and it's handed to him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. It just happened to be that day 
that the scriptures from Isaiah were going to be read. And Jesus takes that, opens it up to what we call Luke chapter 4. He's quoting Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal a broken heart and to proclaim liberty to the captives, kidnapped, recovery of sight to the blind, both spiritual and natural, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What is that? Kingdom business. Go set the captives free. Go ransom the kidnapped. Go open their eyes. Let them see that they don't have to live to where they're living. They don't have to experience what they're experiencing. That there's a God that loves them. The God that cares them so much. He came here to this earth in flesh and blood and bone body, willing to endure everything that was needed for him to set us free. Now listen. Jesus said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to recover the sight to the blind and liberty for those who are oppressed. I want you to think in these terms. He is our king. We are in a kingdom. It is not the will of the king for his subjects to be poor, for them to be brokenhearted, for them to be captive, for them to be blind, for them to be oppressed. It is not God's will. If it was God's will, then Jesus would have never came to this earth And to make this declaration, quoting Isaiah 61, that he was here to set all these people free. So those are some of the things that you and I sometimes are letting letting camp out on our front lawns. Captivity to some type of life-controlling habit. Oppression. Always feeling beat down. Spiritual blindness. Always feeling like you're, you're in a prison cell. That is not the will of your king for you to live that way. You listening? Take those chains off that are binding you, that are holding you back. That are, that, stop listening to the voice of defeat constantly. That same old thinking is always going to reap the same old results. Start seeing and start seeking a new vision for your life. And for those that you will influence in the future. You can change a path of generations that follow just by declaring God's promises. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. More than conquerors. Not just a conqueror. It would have been good enough if I was just a conqueror. He said, I'm more than a conqueror because he loved us. Now, some of you are sitting here going, yeah, this is another one of those perk me up messages. You're not taking it serious. And by the middle of next week, you're going to find yourself entertaining the same negative thoughts, the same cloud of oppression over your head, the same chains on your hands, because you're afraid to stir yourself up again. You're afraid to hope again. You're afraid to just give them one more chance again, because maybe it didn't work the last time. And I'm telling you, the essence of faith is that you stand no matter what. And that's the faith that pleases God. But you don't understand, Pastor. No, I don't understand. You want to know something? I don't need to understand because I can't help you. The Holy Spirit can. And the Holy Spirit understands. Turn to somebody and say it loud, almost to the point of being rude. The Holy Spirit understands. 
You catching this? No, you don't know the limits I have in my life. They're just too overwhelming. And honestly, the thoughts as real as they can be are still lies. And they originate in our unrenewed mind, in the areas of our mind, in the areas of our soul that have not yet been regenerated by the word of God. You don't have a spiritual problem. You have a soul problem. Your spirit was made perfect in Christ when you received him. The Holy Spirit came and sealed you just like a little, little uh, a Ziploc bag. Just sealed you. You don't have a problem spiritually. You've got a problem in your soul. There are areas of your mind, your will, your emotions that you're still living like as if you didn't get born again because you don't know what the Word of God says pertaining to that emotion or pertaining to that experience or pertaining to that mindset that you're entertaining. And that's why it is so important for you to become a student of the Word of God. You need to let the Bible speak to you personally. It's got to talk to you. And it will if you let it. But, in it, you know, uh, a Bible that's constantly closed can't speak to anybody. Just because you've got a Bible in your house, I must have about 15 of them all over the place. Different translations, different this, this and that. But they don't speak unless you open them. God never talks to me. Do you ever read the Bible? All right, we won't go to you. You didn't like that. Because <laughs> if we're not careful, we can develop that attitude. Nothing ever works for me. Every time I take a step forward, I get pushed back two steps. Well, partially that's happening because you keep saying it happens. And according to Mark chapter 11, verse 23, you shall have whatsoever you... I said, according to Mark eleven twenty three, the Bible says, you shall have whatsoever you... I'll say it again for the people that don't want to say. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, that you shall have whatsoever you say. So you keep saying. Nothing ever works out for me. You keep saying. If it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have no luck at all. You keep saying, I don't know why so-and-so gets blessed. I never get blessed. And so you are fulfilling Mark eleven twenty three. 23. You are getting whatsoever you say. Because the way you turn situations around is by speaking what you want rather than speaking what you see. Amen. Jesus wasn't satisfied with a Simon because a Simon could not effectively carry out the mission on his life. So Jesus stopped calling him Simon. And if you're not aware of this, Simon is he, in Hebrew is Shimon. Shimon means a reed that just floats in the wind. You ever go down by the bay, go down to Lava Ladder, go down to any, any of the, the, uh, on the island over there and you come on the bay side and you got, you know, we used to live over there and those things stink when it gets hot, okay? But, but the slightest little breeze... You see one of those things go like this. They just dance in the wind. That's Shimon. A dancer in the wind could not fulfill what Jesus needed Peter to do. So he stopped calling him Shimon and started calling him. He stopped calling him Shimon and started calling him. The rock, Peter, Petro. And then the dead. Now, did Shimon become Peter overnight? No. But Shimon 
became Peter. On the day of Pentecost, it wasn't Shimon that spoke for 15 minutes and saw thousands of people become born again. It was Peter. You catching this? I'm way off my topic. So I had some stuff here from Gloria Copeland. Gloria, I'm sorry. I'm going to skip over you. Don't go well. So you'd rather hear from her than hear from me. All right, I'll tell you real quick what she has to say. The truth of the matter is this. You are a child of God. You are a child of the king. You are subject of a kingdom. And therefore, you have an inheritance waiting for you. You are an heir of the kingdom. In other words, God puts you in his will. And he's not like that crazy aunt. Every time you don't listen to, you don't come to visit, I'm taking you out of my will. God's not going to take you out of his will. You listening? So, you you are an heir of God because you're a child of God. I'm just going to go real quick. We read that already, Romans chapter 8, 17. We're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Number two. You are an heir of the kingdom and of a family of God because you are redeemed from the curse. Redeemed from the curse. Oh my God, I'm going to have to teach on this so much because too many Christians are embracing the curse instead of understanding that they've been redeemed from the curse. Now watch. We have not been redeemed from the curse of the fall. Not yet. People still die. Roses still have thorns. Weeds still come up you still have to take allergy medicine because all of that stuff came in because of the fall, all right? Unless you're going to go believe God. But we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. In other words, you and I have been redeemed from the curse that God said would come on a person when they disobeyed his commandments. And there's only been one person that has lived on this planet that has obeyed every single one of them from the heart And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why it required his death. Nobody else could have died in our place. Only him. We've been redeemed from the curse that comes on an individual when they disobey God. And that first one is going to hell. Now, I don't have time today. Maybe I'll teach on this in the near future. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Write it down. Text it to yourself. Email it to yourself. Write it on your hand if you have to. Deuteronomy 28 lists the blessings. Watch this now. The blessings and the curses. There's 14 verses that pertain to blessing. And then from verse 14 down to verse 60 something, I'm not sure. Three to four times more verses on curses. I mean, and it covers all kinds of pleasantries, hemorrhoids, everything. (laughs) Oh, I just thought of something. I can't say it. But no, I can't. Trust me. That part of my mind hasn't been redeemed yet. (laughs) 
So, so now listen, we've been redeemed from that. So now we're heirs of a kingdom. And in, and in a very real effect, we're almost heirs to the throne because we're seated in Christ in heavenly places, watch this, far above all the kingdom of darkness. Don't want to go through all this stuff for the sake of time. Far above. But let me ask you this question. I don't ask you this question to cause guilt or condemnation because I'm asking myself the same question. If you took an inventory of your life, could you honestly say you've been living like a soldier in the kingdom? Have you been living as if you are heir to this throne, heir to the richness of his kingdom? I'm not talking about money. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. Because what good is money if you don't have health and every peace of mind and everything else? That's, that's our inheritance. But, but watch this now. With inheritance comes responsibility. Are you living up to your side of the deal? Are you demonstrating the kingdom? Or are you still living like you're being a subject of another kingdom with a different Lord, a different king? We've been redeemed from that curse. We are heirs because we are joint heirs with Jesus. He's accepted us. He's received us. And he's engrafted us into that kingdom. So now, can I get to the message? Because this weekend, we started a two-part series. I'm going to give you, I gave you the foundation, I gave you the appetizers. Now I'm going to bring you the first course. The title of this message is Busting Through to Your Breakthrough. And most people never do most people are on this side of the breakthrough because they never see themselves as capable, as empowered, as worthy. The enemy, because he knows he cannot prevail against the kingdom of heaven, the church. Jesus said it, and either Jesus told the truth or he lied. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You're the church. Turn to somebody and say, you the church. So the best he can do is to try to neutralize you. Can't stop you from going to heaven. He can't unborn again you. But if he can get you to be satisfied to live on this side of your breakthrough... You are never going to expand the kingdom of God through your life. So, number one, to head in that direction. You ready? Number, first thing you must convince yourself that is true is what is written for us in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing, nothing, no thing, no thing. Turn to somebody. Say, no thing is impossible for God. You ready? 
Goliath, besides being a nine-foot giant, was also a fierce warrior from the time he was a young boy. For 40 days, he arrogantly taunted the armies of Israel, daring them to send out a man to fight him. Young David, who eventually becomes King David, is probably only a teenager at this time. His father sends him to the battlefield because his brothers are serving as soldiers in Saul's army. And so he's got the assignment, little David's got the assignment to go bring some supplies, go bring some food to your, to your brothers. Probably got tired of eating army food. David arrives just in time to hear Goliath's daily show, if you want to put it that way. Every day, he's coming out a couple of times a day, taunting the armies of Saul. 1 Samuel 17, verse 8. Goliath stood and called to Israel's troops, why do you come out to prepare for battle? Am I not the Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? The servants of Saul. The servants of Saul. Say that with me. The servants of Saul. Who said they were servants of Saul? Goliath. Remember that. That's going to come back later. Choose for yourselves a man so he may come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and strike me down, we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and strike him down, you will become our servants and, we will, ser- and, and will serve us. Then the Philistines said, oh, he should have never said this. I defy Israel's troops this day. Give me a man so we can fight each other. When Saul and all the Israelites heard these words, they heard the words of the Philistine. They were upset and afraid. They heard the words of what? They heard the words of the Philistine. Saul's army allowed the threats of the enemy to limit them. Listen, watch this now. They could not see beyond what they were hearing. You didn't get that. They could not see beyond what they were hearing because what they heard from Goliath formed a picture on the inside of them going back to being slaves like they were in Egypt. There are things that are threatening you. There are things that are coming against you. There are whispers in your ear and you're starting to form a picture that is very different than what God has for you. If you don't start seeing beyond what you're hearing, you're going to do just what the Israelites did. They ran and hid and their king was the first one. Limitations, restraints, restrictions, things that bind us, boundaries that are imposed upon us, causing us not to extend beyond a certain point, blocking us from reaching an expected destination. Your expected destination is breakthrough, 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 breakthrough. In fact, it's one of God's names in the Old Testament, the God of the breakthrough, Baal Perizim. The God of breakthrough. We, we, we know the God of salvation. Some of us have discovered the God of healing. Some of us, the God of deliverance, the God of peace, the God of joy. But if you, while we're still living on this earth, while we're still in this promised land, you and I are going to have to learn who the God of the breakthrough is. Amen. David found out. So what are your limitations that are blocking your path to wholeness? Emotional traumas, physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse? Is it abandonment issues? Is it rejection? Is it fear of failure? 
All these things trap us in our head because they form a picture on the inside that you can go so far and that's it. I'll let you go to heaven. I might even, I'll even let you, I'll even let you experience some prosperity once in a while. But you're staying where I put you. You are staying trapped in that prison house of fear. You are staying trapped in that prison house of emotional trauma, sexual abuse, verbal abuse. I got it. Cultural issues, racial issues, gender identity confusion, all of these things the devil has designed to keep us in a fog. So that we just keep wandering around, just like the Israelites, wandering around, wandering around, wandering around, always looking to catch, but never getting it. Unforgiveness, betrayals, they keep us wounded. On the practical side, maybe you got a picture on the inside that you don't have enough education to really reach the goal that you, that you desire. Lack of finances. Maybe there's physical and health limitations. All of these things can cause us to see ourselves much less than what God has desired for us. No matter what or no matter how we see ourselves, the principles to freedom are all the same. And they're all found in this story. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. David has heard what Goliath just said. But thank God David didn't let it form a picture in him of failure and defeat. How do we know? Look at the question he asked in verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood around him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? He's saying, You guys have embarrassed us. You, st- you have stood here for 39 days and listened to this guy, and you've brought shame on all of Israel. He's, David says, What's going to happen? What kind of reward is there? For the guy who takes this clown down. And then look what he says next. And I want you to hear this. Don't let it go over your head. Because there's so many scriptures that we read. And we go, oh, that's nice. And he goes, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should what? Defy the armies of the living God. Wait a second. Whose army is it? The army of who? What did Goliath call them? The servants of Saul. Your giant is never going to tell you that you belong to God. Your giant is always going to tell you you're on your own. You're limited by your own weaknesses. Goliath. You know what Goliath means in Hebrew? Exposer. Shamer. The one who brings shame. The one who tries to expose you in your weaknesses. And that's what the issues are trying to do that are still in your life. To expose you. To, to, to take advantage of or exploit your weaknesses or the areas where you have not yet received healing. David said, who was it? Wait, can I just, I don't want to be crude here. But David was not interested in Goliath's anatomy. Did you get that? He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? David doesn't care what his body's like. The statement David was making is this to the soldiers who are circumcised in covenant with God. What David was saying was this, wait a second. 
This guy does not, this guy's not in covenant with God. We're in covenant with God. This guy's outside the covenant, and you're letting him rule and reign over us. We're supposed to rule and reign over him. You need to remind yourself that you are in covenant with God Almighty through the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, you're not only an heir of the kingdom, whatever he possesses is yours. Whatever power he has is available to you because you are in covenant with him. And every problem that you face, every adversary, every challenge, every attack, you need to go, excuse me, I'm in covenant with God. And that covenant doesn't include you in it. Get out of my life. In that battle, you and I must always remind ourselves who we belong to. We belong to Almighty God. El Elyon, the Most High God. There's no God higher than him. There is no God more powerful than him. He is almighty. Not just mighty. Almighty. And if you and I are going to win the battle, listen to me close. If you and I are going to win the battle that comes against us, that battle, that victory is going to have to start with your words. You listening? It's going to have to start with your words. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 43. So the Philistines said to David, follow these words closely. Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? You remember what David approached him with? Five stones and a stick. You catching this? He said, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And look at this. This was the worst thing that he could have done. Then the Philistine cursed David by his gods, and the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, David did just stand there and go, Guys, any of you guys gonna back me up? David spoke, and David established what was gonna happen at the end of this battle. David said to him, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Yes. Amen. This day, the Lord will give, deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. David, what are you talking about? You don't have a sword. You didn't catch this. While he's still only holding five smooth stones that he got out of a creek, he's already declaring, I'm cutting your head off. Well, guess what? In the natural, you can't cut somebody's head off with five little stones. But he was speaking by faith. He wasn't going to allow what could have appeared as limitations. You imagine that arrogant giant when he saw him, this kid with a stick and a couple of stones. I got a spear that's like 12 feet long. But the best part about it was those five stones were just to get his attention. And he only needed one. Reason he had five? Goliath's got four brothers. He figures I'm ready for them when they show up too. Now watch. Watch. He flings that stone. It sinks right into Goliath's head. Goliath goes down, but his head's still on. And what does, Goliath, what does David do? He goes and gets, if it's, what, what a humiliating death. He goes and gets Goliath's own sword, who Goliath thought was going to use on David, and he uses it on Goliath. Bam. 
And then David takes that skull to Jerusalem. And when you see those pictures of the cross and the crucifixion, and it's got a skull at the base of that cross, guess whose skull that's supposed to represent? What was Calvary called? The place of the skull. Go look it up. In almost all of medieval art, you see a skull at the base of the crucifixion. God was speaking through David saying, the day's going to come that I'm going to take the giant down. And my son's going to come to this earth and he's going to defeat that Goliath with his own sword. Because through death, Jesus defeated death. He destroyed the enemy with his own weapon, just like David. But let's wrap this up. If you're going to win your battle, it's going to be because you start to speak victory from day one. Your giant doesn't want to hear your words of victory. Your giant wants to hear you speaking defeat. I just can't do it. I just can't overcome this. I just, I've messed up one more time. I just can't, I, all this guilt and condemnation. I'm just, it's not, you know, I'm not like this one. I'm not like that one. I'm just, I just can't make it. I just can't do it. I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm always going to be stuck like this. I'm always going to be poor. I'm always going to be addicted. I'm always going to be depressed. I'm always going to be sick. I'm always going to, you just fill in the, the devil loves to hear you sing that song. But when you start turning it around and you, regardless of what the circumstance is like. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Amen. Amen. Stand up. Number one, listen very carefully. If you are here this morning in this room right now, and you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are kidnapped your royalty. There's an inheritance waiting for you. There's a plan waiting for you that you could have never imagined that your life could be like. But you need to let him ransom you, redeem you. He's already done it with his blood, but you need to receive that. If you have never asked the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, please, I beg you, do not leave this room until you settle that issue. There will be people up here in just a couple of minutes that will pray with you and lead you in a very simple prayer for you to receive Jesus Christ. For you. What we're really doing is just this, giving you the opportunity to publicly declare who you believe Jesus is in your heart. Do you believe that he's the son of God? Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead? If you believe that, then make that declaration and guess what? Salvation immediately comes to your spirit. And then you're born again, just like the scripture says. Before we get to that, I want to pray for every one of us in here that you will receive strength from this message today. And I pray that you'll go and study this out for yourself. Because listen, every one of us are in the same position. Every person on earth, every person in this room is in one of three categories. You're either in the middle of a crisis, just coming out of a crisis, or guess what? Heading towards a crisis. And therefore, you need this. What? What, Pastor? That, no, it's not fair, but that's life. That's life. That's how it was in the promised land. You're either facing a giant, defeating a giant, bringing a wall down, 
there's enemies. You ready? Lift your hands up to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person in here. That strength would arise on the inside of every single one of us. Strength to meet every challenge, to defeat every giant, to pull down every wall of limitation. That we would walk free like never before, Father. And that we would be free to actually walk like, talk like, conduct ourselves in such a way, Father, that we give evidence that there is a kingdom who has a king, who loves everyone on this earth, who will fight our battles for us, who will lead us into victory. And Father, I pray that that reality becomes crystal clear to us as of this moment, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Listen, listen. Those of you that have not yet prayed that prayer to receive Jesus Christ, I challenge you. Get out of your seats and come up here. We'll lead you in that prayer. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.